not today, theriologists. Today, our show is participating in Operation Switcheroo, a wonderful episode-swapping project coordinated by the lovely and talented host and creator Moxie at Your Brain on Facts. Inspired by the days of comic strip artists swapping characters, this operation is meant to introduce new podcasts, not only to you, the listener, but us as well. We think that our listeners are going to find uh, these things interesting and enjoyable. Today, I have a, the pleasure to bring you the 50th episode of the Burst Your Bubble podcast with host Morgan Jaffe. Just like you and I do here at Conspiracy Theoryology, Morgan takes an idea and breaks it down in ways that we might not even consider. Finding themes in pop culture, television, or film, she dissects the isms and phobias that are often hidden or not so hidden within the media. Whether you agree or disagree, Morgan is going to guide you through ideas and perspectives that you may never have considered, peering through a media literacy lens with a dash of history in the mix. Her show was as new to me as it will be to you, and I quickly fell in love with the episode which seems appropriate since it is all about rom-coms. So, without further ado, I give you over to Morgan and let her burst your bubble. Hey everyone, before we get started, I just wanted to very proudly say that this is the 50th episode of Burst Your Bubble. Thank you so much for all the emails, likes and comments on social media, and the reviews on Apple Podcasts. It's great to know not just that I'm making this podcast, but that people are listening to it. So keep them coming. It means a lot to me that you listen, and I hope that you love the show just as much as I love making it. I love going to the library and finding books and watching movies and doing all of the nitty-gritty research. It's a lot of work, but I enjoy it. I have fun with it. I love learning from it. So yeah, I guess it's Valentine's Day, and I had to get a little sappy. Excuse me. But, you know, I am ruining romantic comedies today anyway, so it all balances out. Again, thank you so much for listening. I can't wait till that fun day where I get to say, here's the 100th episode, and I hope that you enjoy the show. There are a lot of reasons to hate romantic comedies. They have terrible cliches, like the wonderful idea that men and women can never just be friends and always fall in love, that people never realize their love until the other person leaves, so of course there's the mad dash to the airport before the plane takes off. No one would ever let those people through security. Or that people making bets about love happens a lot more in movies than, well, I hope, in real life. But while all these cliches are annoying and overused, they're not problematic. But if you look at rom-coms, really look at them, you start seeing a lot of isms and phobias. In fact, this episode had too many directions to choose from, from race and class, to how rom-coms end up always sneaking in the sassy black woman, or the black best guy friend whose only line tends to be, oh damn. Or the gay best friend who is only there to say, I agree, men are trash, honey, as the female lead sobs into a pint of Ben & Jerry's. But my biggest problem with rom-coms is that they give audiences unrealistic ideas about love, showing persistent, possessive, and stalking behavior, and repackaging it as unconditional love and devotion. I'm Morgan Jaffe, and this is Burst Your Bubble. Now, let's not lie. I've watched a lot of rom-coms in my life. It's definitely a love-hate relationship with sappy teen rom-coms like 10 Things I Hate About You 
in a mess of films where the lead is either Jennifer Lopez, Matthew McConaughey, or, like in The Wedding Planner, well, both. Because when I say rom-coms, I mean what some may say is the peak and golden age of rom-coms, from the late 1980s till 2010 or so. And when I say rom-coms, I also include teen movies as well. But the more I saw these films and rewatched them, the more there was the idea in the back of my head. Something just didn't seem quite right. Something beyond the idea that rom-coms didn't really focus on the actual relationship. You know what I mean. The first exciting bits. Asking someone out. Your first date. Your first kiss. When I say something didn't seem right, I mean beyond the cliches. Because of how rom-coms glorify devotion, they end up romanticizing persistent, possessive, and stalking behavior, normalizing it. Now, I get that my knowledge of rom-coms, beyond what I already told you, really focuses on Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks and Julia Roberts and Hugh Grant, and then a whole bunch of trashy teen movies like Never Been Kissed and She's All That and Sixteen Candles. You can probably guess when I was a 13-year-old. So I scoured the internet looking for lists of the best rom-coms, and thanks to Rotten Tomatoes, Vanity Fair, Cosmopolitan, Essence, Marie Claire, and Vogue, those are some of the movies that I'll be looking at today. Now, persistent, possessive, and stalking behavior are all terrible in their own ways, but I'll be starting with what could be argued as the least extreme behavior and going up to what could be argued as the worst. Don't get me wrong, these are all terrible in their own right, but I needed to start somewhere, and that's why we're going to start with persistence. Now, I've been chatting with friends about this episode quite a bit, and more and more I find myself in discussions about how persistence may not be a bad thing. People like to see that there's always an exception, But I think persistent behavior is just the beginning of possessive behavior. Because what might start as really wanting to go out with someone and not taking no as an answer can morph. What happens when that person wants to convince their potential partner of something else? Now it's not go out on a date with me, but be in a long-term relationship with me. Don't see your friends. Who are you talking to? Show me your phone. You can't go there with him. You can't go there with her. Are you keeping things from me? Do you love me? Prove to me that you love me just as much or more than I love you. Because I know a lot of movies on this list think of that persistence, that refusal to say no, as romantic. For example, Hitch is a movie all about a dating coach who will help hopeless men get their girls just about any way he can, putting out all the stops and using all the tricks he can think of. Hitch starts with this lovely voiceover. Basic principles. No woman wakes up saying, God, I hope I don't get swept off my feet today. Now, she might say, this is a really bad time for me. Or something like, I just need some space. Or my personal favorite, I'm really into my career right now. believe that? Neither does she. You know why? Because she's lying to you. That's why. You understand me? Lying. It's not a bad time for her. She doesn't need any space. She may be into her career, but what she's really saying is, uh, get away from me now. Or possibly, try harder, stupid. But which one is it? 60% of all human communication is nonverbal, body language. 30% is your tone. 
So that means that 90% of what you're saying ain't coming out of your mouth. Of course she's gonna lie to you. She's a nice person. She doesn't want to hurt your feelings. What else she gonna say? She doesn't even know you yet. Luckily, the fact is that just like the rest of us, even a beautiful woman doesn't know what she wants until she sees it. And that's where I come in. My job is to open her eyes. Basic principles. No matter what, no matter when, no matter who, any man has a chance to sweep any woman off her feet. Just needs the right broom. Oh, and all the while that this scene is happening, while Hitch is tricking a woman into thinking that a man jumped in front of a car to save her dog. And I don't think women are saying, try harder, stupid. Let's stick with that get away from me now, shall we? And while Hitch may give his clients some good advice, listen to women, make sure they feel physically comfortable and safe, and to treat them as human beings and not objects, the whole premise of his business doesn't follow that advice. When Hitch first meets his own love interest, Sarah, he never gets her number. His loophole? He knows where she works, so he mails her a walkie-talkie to her office so he can ask her out. I hate it when a guy calls a girl who did not give him her number. So this is me not calling. Over. Yes, you're right. This is much less invasive. Listen, I've been thinking about that sign on your forehead, and I was wondering if you'd mind taking it down for dinner Friday night. Over. Oh, I can't. I have a couple of parties I have to hit. Yeah, gossip never sleeps. Not till about 4 a.m. Saturday. I, um, I have a date. Do you know the definition of perseverance, Miss Milas? An excuse to be obnoxious? Continuing in a course of action without regard to discouragement, opposition, or previous failure. Over. Okay, Webster, how do I get rid of you? Breakfast Sunday. And you can barely even call that a date. You do that with out-of-town relatives that you don't even like. Over. Okay, I guess I could do Sunday. As you heard, Sarah reluctantly agrees to a quick breakfast, asking, how do I get rid of you? During the whole conversation, her coworkers listen and watch, curiously smiling and raising their eyebrows. I half expected one of them to sigh, how romantic. And there are plenty of examples to go around, don't you worry. There's Moonstruck, a movie about a woman named Loretta who tries to bring her new fiancé Johnny and his estranged younger brother Ronnie together. But in the process, Ronnie falls in love with Loretta, and he just won't take her nose for an answer. This is your place. That's right. So this is where we were going? Yeah. You know, we had a deal. You told me if I came with you to the opera, then, then you'd leave me alone forever. And I came with you. Now, I'm going to marry your brother, and you're going to leave me alone forever. Right? Come upstairs. Now, I want you to come upstairs with me and, and get in my bed. Why is it that women have to make these deals or go on dates just to be left alone? And why do they think that by rewarding the behavior, it would actually stop it? Another example is Love Jones, where no matter how many times Nina tells Darius she's not interested, he still keeps asking her out and trying to turn her no into a yes. I am not trying to meet another man at this time. You and I should uh, 
get together sometime and have a drink. I don't think that'll be a very good idea. Hey. Hmm. Persistence. Be surprised how far I can get you. Darius is also rewarded with a date. Then there's the notebook, where Noah convinces Allie to go on a date with him by threatening to jump off the Ferris wheel if she refuses. Hey! What are you doing? Hey, you can't do that! I'll tell you when I get there, Tommy. I'm Noah Calhoun. So? So it's really nice to meet Allie. you. Who is this guy? I don't know. No Calhoun. I would really like to take you out. Friend, do you mind? You can't sit more than two people in a chair, Noah! Okay, Tommy, all right. Get down, Noah! You're gonna kill yourself! Noah, cut it out! Is that what you got with me? What? No! No? No! No. Hey, Pat, she just told you. Why not? I don't know, because I don't want to. All right, well, you leave me no other choice then. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, no, stop the What are you doing? Oh, I grabbed the ball. I'm going to ask you one more time. Will you? Or will you not go out with me? God damn, my head's slipping. The crowd's on fire, you idiot. Not until she agrees. Oh, go out with him, honey. Okay, okay, fine. I'll go out with you. Well, don't do me any favors. No, no, I want to. You want it. Yes! You want it. Say it. I want to go out with you. Say it again. Don't you just love how in the end Noah acts like he's doing Allie the favor? Yes. How romantic. Or how in Boomerang, usually Marcus easily manipulates women into sleeping with him. I think I should take you home. I think it's best. (laughs) I can't tell you how helpful this has all been. You know, gold star for Christy. Thanks, you really helped me in here. I felt that. Oh, no, 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 really, I shouldn't come to your apartment, really. Oh, Christy, don't, no, I shouldn't be in here, you know, like, um, I'm not ready for this. I mean, are we, are we by ourselves in here? Of course we're by ourselves, come on. Christy. Marcus, spend the night with me. Oh, Christy, no, it's just too soon, like, I... I just don't want to be hurt again. I won't hurt you. Please be gentle. He tells lie after lie after lie. It isn't until he sets his eyes on his boss, Jacqueline, who turns him down, that Marcus feels like he needs her in his life. I'd say Marcus just didn't know what to do with rejection and a no. Good evening, boss. Please do not call me that. I want you to think of me as your colleague. So tell me something. You excited about working with Stranger? <laughs> Stop. You know I didn't come up here to talk to you about no Stranger. I came up here to talk to you about us. I'm rapping. This is my Mac Daddy vibe I'm giving you. In all of its splendor, what's up? This oh, really? The, yes, I'm the Alleganza Mac Daddy of the month. Oh, I see. Well, let me let me get a good look. Check it. It's like Jet Magazine. <laughs> what's up? You are absolutely wonderful. But I, I think that we should kind of make this clear right from the start so there's no misunderstanding. You see... I don't date men I work with. 
quit. You can't quit because I need you. No, Mom, wait one sec. You have an eyelash. It's going to go in your eye. Wait, come here. Right? Yeah, huh? I'm fine. Yeah? Trying to seduce me on what? the sneak tip. Oh, that was very seductive what, what you just did. What are you talking did. about? You know what you I'm talking about. You had something in your eye. Oh, I, I, I saved no, 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 your no, eye. No, 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 no. <laughs> I know what it's like when you have something in your eye. I was a kid before. Your mother opens your eye. I mean, blow your whole eyeball comes out. And it was never like you just did. Come on, now. That was very seductive what <laughs> no, you no, just no, did. No, 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 no. No, no, no. And at the end of Crazy Stupid Love... A movie all about a family and the different love triangles and situations and issues between the different people. Cal makes a speech that he and his son Robbie are just hopeless romantics, never giving up on the woman they love as the audience laughs and cheers for them to get their girls. Well, here's the thing. My son's graduation speech sucks. That's not a joke. In fairness... I didn't know where he was going with that, but I think we can all agree it was headed in a kind of depressing um, way. My son, not him, my actual son, believes in grand romantic gestures. He believes in the existence of one's soulmate. And it's easy to just look at a 13-year-old and say, you don't know what you're talking about. You are wrong, but I'm not so sure. I met my soulmate when I was 15 years old. We went out for ice cream. After my dad started teasing me about my first date, the way dads do, and I told him, Dad, it's no big deal. I'm going to be going out with a lot of different girls on a lot of different dates. And that is the first time that I ever lied to my father. I met my soulmate when I was 15 years old, and I have loved her every minute of every day since I first bought her that mint chocolate chip cone. I have loved her through the birth of my three perfect children. I have loved her even when I've hated her. Only married couples will understand that one. And I don't know if it's going to work out. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm sorry, Robbie, I can't give you that. But I can promise you this. I will never stop trying. Because when you find the one... You never give up. Do you have anything you'd like to say? I still love you, Jessica. (laughs) And I love you, Emily. But remember, earlier in the movie, Jessica, the girl Robbie claims to be in love with, has told him numerous times that she's not interested, telling Robbie to stop because he's making her uncomfortable. Jessica Riley, you are my soulmate, the love of my life. I have marked myself with a scarlet J for you, Jessica. Robbie, get down from there. Daniel Hawthorne. Robbie, we were in the scarlet letter. Are you mad? Get down. 
Oh my god. What the hell are you thinking? You like the scaffold? It took me like four weeks to make it. It has wheels. This has got to stop, Robbie. You learn to love me, I promise. No, I won't. Just because I'm four years younger than you. Because I love somebody else. Who is he? He's older. And I didn't want my parents to find out. You know I'll kill him if he hurts you. Yeah, I know. Okay, Robbie, this has to stop. Okay? No more. And those were the simpler kinds of persistence. Sometimes in movies, men get a weird opportunity to manipulate women into loving them because there's a supernatural time loop. Ask enough or learn enough, and you can turn that no into a yes. A prime example is Groundhog Day, where Phil gets to learn how his news producer and love interest Rita reacts to his different attempts to hit on her. While they don't seem to get along at the beginning of the film, by the end of the movie, Phil gets Rita to fall in love with him, learning from the failed attempts to be what he thinks Rita will see as the perfect man. So, what are the chances of getting out today? The van still won't start. Larry's working on it. Wouldn't you know it. Can I buy you a drink? Okay. Jim Beam, ice, water. For you, miss? Sweet vermouth in the rocks with a twist, please. What are the chances of getting out of town today? The van still won't start. Larry's working on it. Oh, wouldn't you know it? Can I buy you a drink? Okay. Uh, sweet vermouth, rocks with a twist, please. For you, miss? The same. That's my favorite drink. Mine, too. It always makes me think of Rome. The way the sun hits the buildings in the afternoon. Well, what should we drink to? To the groundhog. I always drink to world peace. Can I buy you a drink? Okay. Uh, sweet vermouth, rocks with a twist, please. For you, miss? The same. That's my favorite drink. Mine, too. <laughs> it always makes me think of Rome. The way the sun hits the buildings in the afternoon. Well, what should we drink to? I like to say a prayer and drink to world peace. To world peace. World peace. Right. It's like one big con. There's a similar plot in the movie About Time, where Tim finds out the family secret. All the men in his family can travel through time. And what does Tim use this power to do? Why, he redoes all of his mistakes till he can convince Mary to fall in love with him. For me, it was always going to be all about love. I'm Tim. I'm Mary. It's my mother's name. I remind you of your mother. Obviously, I should have thought this through more. Could you give me one second? I'm Tim. I'm Mary. I love your eyes. Do you? I love the rest of your face, too. I haven't even looked further down, but I'm sure it's all fantastic. And it's not always a magical sort of timeline. Sometimes it's for health reasons. Like in 51st States, where Henry meets Lucy a woman who can't make new memories. Because she keeps reliving the same day over and over and over again, 
Henry gets as many chances as he wants to try and see what will work with Lucy so that they can have breakfast together and so that he can ultimately win her heart. <clears throat> hey, I'm sorry to bother you, but you look like a person who appreciates fine art, so I wanted your opinion on something. I drew this. It's a uh, picture of a father and son fishing off a fishing boat. There's a walrus right there who... Uh, Huh? Why me pigu ya kwen kai? Oh, don't speak English. Yeah, kwen kai. Kwen kai. Doesn't look Chinese. Body. Can I have that? I need something to wipe my ass with. Hey, <laughs> shut up. Looks like a stupid asshole to me. Excuse me, you okay? I didn't mean to startle you. No, that's all right. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm having a problem with something, but... Is it something that I can help you with? No, no, no. I just can't read. You gotta be kidding me. Oh, no, 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 thank you. I can do this on my own. <laughs> Appreciate the sentiment. I'm going to get an order of the... Pine... Pew... Pan... Pan... Pew... Pan... Ka... Pan clocks... Pancakes. Okay, I'll have pancakes. 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 Don't cry. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Don't cry. I don't know anything. What a loser. No! I'll tell you what. Why don't you come over there with me? You can have some breakfast and I'll help teach you some of the words. Okay. All right. That sounds nice. Come on over. Okay, thank you. And for those of you saying, but he loved her. He's a good guy. A reminder that Henry is and always will be a bit of a con man. For example, lying to sleep with tourists as they visit Hawaii. <laughs> so tell me, how was Hawaii? <sighs> it was unbelievable. Oh, yeah? Well, what happened? I met this guy. It was the best week of my life. It was just a little vacation romance. But he was so sweet. He took me to all these cool local places. We went scuba diving, snorkeling, mountain climbing. Well, we got a little drunk. He gave me a back rub. We slow danced in the rain. <gasps> but it wasn't just about the sex. It ended kind of weird, though. When I asked for his phone number, he told me he's married. Okay. Entering the priesthood. He doesn't believe in phones. He just kind of ran away. You know, it's just a little fling, but 
I will never forget my week with Henry Roth. Henry Roth. Harry. Harry Paratesticles. Henry Roth. Henry Roth. Henry Roth. Henry Roth. Henry Roth. Why didn't you tell me you were a secret agent? I prefer intelligence operative, and I couldn't tell you until I thought I knew you. Well, can I call you when I land? You can call me, but I'll be in Peru. Oh, I said that a little loud. Come on, that's a 187. Cold blue, we got the wolf sleeping at night. He's slipping his right arm in the drawer, and out comes the cookie jar. All clear. Bling, bling, walla, walla, bing, bang. Got it? Mm -hmm. Well, maybe when you get back from Peru. I don't think that's an option, Lisa. Linda. I know, I changed your name for your protection. Oh. We have to go our separate ways now. Well, goodbye. Got it, moving out. At the end of the day, Henry is just doing and saying whatever he can to be with a romantic partner and then find his way out of it. It just so happens that with Lucy, he doesn't want to find a way out of it. But just because he's a reformed character, a man who wants to make a commitment to a woman and to their relationship, well, that doesn't give him a pass. So yeah, persistence. An audience won't see these actions as creepy. It's a romantic gesture. Next thing you know, the audience isn't just passively witnessing a character go about their day-to-day -day life. They're cheering for a love story. And that's how most of the time viewers end up supporting the guy pursuing the girl. Because he's the underdog. He's the nice guy. You know the one. The guy who's friendly, but not in a creepy way. The guy who will help out his friends when they're moving and not make up some weird excuse. The guy who volunteers at an animal shelter in his spare time. Or maybe a soup kitchen. The guy who you enjoy having around. Someone who does things to be good and doesn't have any hidden agenda. But that's where it gets tricky. Because arguably, any nice guy in a romantic comedy does have an agenda to get with the girl. Like Cameron in 10 Things I Hate About You. I think it's safe to say that the film markets him as a nice guy. And in a lot of ways, you could argue that he is compared to the others. But Cameron also went to ridiculous lengths so Bianca would date him, like teaching himself just enough French so that he can pretend to be a tutor to hang out with her. And oh, you know, he got Joey, another guy interested in Bianca, to pay Patrick to take out Bianca's sister Kat on a date. See, if you haven't seen the movie, the rule in the house is that when Kat dates, Bianca can date. So Cameron figures out how to get the rule to work for him. We know what you're trying to do with Kat Stratford. Is that right? And what do you plan to do about it? Help you out. Why is that? Uh, the situation is, my man Cameron here has a major Jones for Bianca Stratford. What is it with this chick? She have beer-flavored nipples? Hey, I, I, uh, I think I speak correctly when I say that Cameron's love is pure. Purer than, say, Joey Donner's. Look, I'm in on this for the cash. Donner can plow wherever he wants. Okay, there will be no plowing. Patrick, uh, Pat, let me explain something to you here. Uh, we set this whole thing up so Cameron can get the girl. Cameron, Joey's just a pawn. So you two are going to help me tame the wild beast? Absolutely. We'll, we'll do some research. We'll find out what she likes. We're your guys. And, and he means that in a strictly non-prison movie type of way. I don't think Cameron is really all that much of a nice guy. Long story short, Cameron does all of this and then finds out that Bianca was interested in Joey. Cameron feels very bad for himself, that all his hard work was for nothing. And then Patrick gives Cameron some terrible advice to not give up and how you can still get the girl, 
even if you think the girl isn't interested. Hey, hey, we need to talk. Cameron, I'm a little busy right now. Can you give me a second? What? It's off, okay? The whole thing's off. What are you talking about? She never wanted me. She wanted Joey the whole time. Cameron, do you like the girl? Yeah? Yeah, and is she worth all this trouble? Well, I thought she was, but, you know, I... Well, she is or she isn't. See, first of all, Joey is not half the man you are. Secondly, don't let anyone ever make you feel like you don't deserve what you want. Go for it. Yes, Bianca realizes Joey is the worst eventually, but is Cameron really that much better? He's just a self-proclaimed nice guy who expected something in return for all his niceness, and he makes that very clear to Bianca. You never wanted to go sailing with me, did you? Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Well, okay, no, not actually. Well, then that's all you had to say. Have you always been this selfish? Yes. You know, just because you're beautiful, that doesn't mean that you can treat people like they don't matter. I mean, I really liked you, okay? I, I, I defended you when people called you conceited. I helped you when you asked me to. I, I learned French for you, and, and then you just blow me off so that you could... Sorry that I really dove into 10 Things I Hate About You there, but I'll admit it used to be one of my favorite rom-coms until I rewatched it years later and started seeing all the problems. Yes, a reminder that I burst my own bubble too. And nice guys are throughout rom-coms, especially as played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. His character Tom isn't that much better in 500 Days of Summer. Tom's selfish, he doesn't listen, and he falls in love with the idea of summer more than he actually falls in love with summer. I think it's official. I'm in love with Summer. I love how she makes me feel. Or there's the nice guy Preston in Can't Hardly Wait. We want him to find true love with Amanda, but in reality he's just a quote-unquote nice guy who feels like she owes something to him. And because they like the same Pop-Tart. Amanda, now that Mike is completely out of the picture, I was thinking maybe you'd like to come in my van and turn that frown upside down. Amanda, hey, I, I just saw what happened and I... Oh, God, you're a hottie. Hey, can I see you naked? Hey, Amanda, hey, you remember that time you danced with me in the soft opera? I never told you, but I had the hugest boner and I oh thought maybe, God. you know, we could work things out. Amanda, let me get you out of that skirt, baby. You look good. Hey, Amanda, do you want some uh, watermelon... Amanda! Amanda, I love you. Listen, um, I know that must sound really strange, but I've always, excuse me, I've always felt that there was this unspoken connection between us, and ever since the first time that I saw you when you were holding my favorite Pop-Tart, and the truth is, I'm leaving tomorrow, and if we could go someplace... Oh, you know what? That is enough. That is enough. God, I haven't even been single for, like... Five minutes. And already, already, you think that I am just gonna strip off my clothes and do you right here because I don't know. I don't know. You imagine that we shared some intimate moment that you have probably been drooling over for the past four years. God, you know, how sick and deluded are you? 
You know what? Why don't you just go off and get yourself a goddamn life, asshole? Yeah, the movie could have just ended there. Preston is really no different than all of the other guys who want something from Amanda. It's just that the audience has seen his backstory, believed his love as true love, and is now cheering for him to get the girl. I mean, he does, but should he? And that's why all of this is a problem. Because in reality, it can go from a nice guy, in this persistence, to feeling possessive over a girl, whether you're in a relationship or not, real quick. Like how Jake in Sweet Home Alabama absolutely refuses to sign Melanie's divorce papers. And if you haven't seen the film, Jake and Melanie haven't even talked for years. It isn't romantic. It's possessive. Jake doesn't even want Melanie back. He just doesn't want her to be able to move on. Jake! You dumb, stubborn, redneck hick! The only reason you won't sign these papers is because I want you to! Wrong! The only reason I ain't signing is because you've turned into some toity-toity Yankee bitch, and I'd like nothing better right now than to piss you off! And being possessive is just the tip of the iceberg of feeling entitled to a woman. Entitled to feel like you have power over her and should know where she is at every step of her day. Possessive behavior can turn into stalking behavior. Because nice guys are only actually nice guys if they don't feel entitled to whoever they have feelings for. They're only nice guys if they take the other person's feelings and put them into the equation. But I find that's rarely the case. And bringing up 10 Things I Hate About You again, Patrick goes to places he knows Kat will be so he can try to convince her to date him. Even though Patrick knows Kat isn't interested, at the end of the day, he's really only doing that for the money Cameron has gotten Joey to pay him. And that's why Patrick won't take a no from Kat, not because he actually wants to date her, but for money. Hey there, girlie. How you doing? Sweating like a pig, actually, in yourself. Now, there's a way to get a guy's attention, huh? My mission in life. But obviously, I struck your fancy, so you see it worked. The world makes sense again. Pick up on Friday, then. Oh, right. Friday. Uh-huh. Well, if not, I'd take you places you've never been before. Like where? The 7-Eleven on Broadway? Do you even know my name, screwboy? No, a lot more than you think. Doubtful. Very doubtful. Nice ride. Vintage fenders. Are you following me? I was in the laundromat. I saw your car. Came over to say hi. Hi. Not a big talker, huh? Depends on the topic. My fenders don't really whip me into a verbal frenzy. You're not afraid of me, are you? Afraid of you? Why would I be afraid of you? Well, most people are. Well, I'm not. Well, maybe you're not afraid of me, but I'm sure you've thought about me naked, huh? Am I that transparent? I want you. I need you. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. If you're planning on asking me out again, you might as well just get it over. Do you mind? You're kind of ruining this for me. I know, I quit. Apparently they're bad for you. You think? You know, these guys are no bikini kill or the raincoats. They're not bad. You know who the raincoats are. Why, don't you? 
I was watching you out there before. I've never seen you look so sexy. <laughs> Come to Bogey's party with me. You never give up, do you? Was that a yes? No. Well, then was that a no? No. I'll see you at 9.30 then. Or how Mark from Love actually obsesses over Juliet, his best friend's wife. He was in charge of taping their wedding and reception. And when Juliet finally sees it, both she and the audience see that Mark only taped close-up shots of her. This is how Juliet figures out Mark is in love with her. They're one of me. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And then there's the whole secretly professing his love for her through those cue cards on Christmas Eve, while her husband, again, Mark's best friend, was sitting on the couch. That's not romantic. It's creepy. And yet, for some reason, Juliet still runs after Mark to give him a quick kiss before returning inside to her husband. Why was Mark rewarded for that? And bringing up Hitch again, the movie is all about men hiring a love coach to gather information about a woman they've admired from afar. And these men do it so that they can try to win her affection. Hitch essentially finds out information about them so that the men can pretend they share the same interests as the woman which doesn't feel like a great way to start a relationship to me. In fact, it sounds like something a stalker would do. Or how literally all the men in There's Something About Mary are so obsessed with Mary that they first stalk her separately, and then all together. The whole movie starts because Ted hires a PI to track Mary down, even though he hadn't seen her in 13 years. There's also You've Got Mail, where Kathleen and Joe, who are business rivals, meet online not knowing who the other is. But when Joe figures it out, he continues wooing Kathleen online as NY152, while also making sure to run into her at the places she goes. He gives her unwanted attention, bothers her, and quite frankly, stalks her. And this is not to say that it's always the men in rom-coms who do this behavior. It's just more often than not told in that way. There are also women who show stalking behavior in rom-coms. Like how in Sleepless in Seattle, after hearing Seattle-based Sam's heartbreaking story of how he lost his wife to cancer, Annie, a Baltimore Sun reporter, writes a letter to Sam saying they should meet on top of the Empire State Building for Valentine's Day. But in the middle of all that, Annie also randomly goes to Seattle, watches Sam play on the beach with his son, and goes to Sam's houseboat to try to see him. And yeah, it all works out in the end, but she just goes to Seattle and stalks Sam. Who does that? Or how in While You Were Sleeping, token fare collector Lucy saves her crush Peter from getting hit by an oncoming train. Peter ends up in the hospital with a coma, and when Lucy meets his family, they think she's Peter's fiancé, and Lucy doesn't correct them. Even when he wakes up, she still pretends to be his fiancé, and then everyone is sure he has amnesia because he doesn't remember this wonderful woman. There's My Best Friend's Wedding, where, as you may have guessed, Julianne's best friend Michael is getting married. In college, the two of them made a deal that if neither of them were married by the time they turned 28, they would marry each other. And wouldn't you know it, Michael called Julianne up three weeks before her 28th birthday. So what does she do? Why, she goes to the wedding to completely sabotage it. That doesn't exactly sound like healthy, non-obsessive behavior. But also, more often than not, rom-coms don't show women as persistent, possessive, or stalking. 
In fact, if a woman does have these traits, then she's not in a rom-com. She's in a horror film, and she's the villain. There are films like Fatal Attraction, where Dan has an affair with Alex, and she won't let him end their relationship. I've got to see you. This is going to stop. No, it's not going to stop. It's going to go on and on. She keeps calling the apartment. Hello? Every time Beth answers the phone, she hangs it. There's also The Crush, where Nick, a 28-year-old man, has to deal with a 14-year-old girl who becomes obsessed with him, later becoming angry when he rejects her. What are you doing? Making lemonade. No. Want some? He's frightened. Miss me? Because if Darian can't have him... Darian? Go play. No one can. I love you, Nick, and you love me! You animal! Stop it! Stop it! She's crazy! She's the one you want to look up! Another example is Swim Fan, where high school swim star Ben cheats on his girlfriend with Madison, who becomes obsessed with Ben in the classic, if I can't have you, no one will, trope. One moment okay, I want you to... could change everything. Hello? Oh, honey, Surprise. It's so great to finally meet your mother. Finally, you just met me. You want to pretend like it never happened? I have a girlfriend. Don't worry about me. I got somebody waiting for me in New York. You have 81 new emails. Picture received. It's interesting. All three of those movies have very scary women with long blonde hair. Anyway, back to the larger point. Again, men and women can both be in romantic comedies and horror films with these bad behaviors. But when you actually look at rom-coms, more often than not, men will do these things, particularly stalking, and their actions will be coded as thoughtful and romantic. But again, there's certainly nothing romantic about stalking. You think that would be obvious and something that goes without saying, but according to a 2015 University of Michigan study, when women watch romantic movies with men chasing after women, it makes women put up with real-life stalking. I guess that's what happens when men are socialized to be persistent and women are socialized to be flattered by it. And when stalking is normalized, seen as nothing more but a romantic gesture, women don't only accept it, They see stalking as something desirable, and all of this makes stalking cases harder to prove and convict. What happens is personnel at every step of the legal process put a stalking victim through the worst kind of review, inspecting and questioning everything. And if personnel find anything that could be argued isn't a rejection of the stalker, they can use it as a reason to not prosecute or to find in favor of the stalker if the case ends up in trial. In 2015, in Australia, a man accused of stalking two women told the court that he learned from Bollywood movies that relentlessly pursuing women was the only way to woo them. His case was thrown out. This is in a world where it can be hard to see the red flags for what they are, unhealthy and dangerous behavior, especially if we've been taught by rom-coms and even other romantic stories that a man chasing after a woman, not taking no for an answer, and stalking her is romantic. All this in a world where about 3.4 million Americans are affected by stalking every year. 78% of victims are women, and 87% of perpetrators are men. At the end of the day, these movies aren't showing romance. They're just disguising harmful behaviors like persistence, 
possessiveness, and stalking. And worse, these movies are normalizing those behaviors. That it's not unhealthy persistence, it's devotion. That it's not possessiveness, it's a romantic gesture. That it's not stalking, it's a proclamation of love. I'm Morgan Jaffe, and that was Burster Bubble. As always, thank you so much to Jeremy Ferris, who does the art for each episode of the show. You can see all of the art that he's created over at BurstYourBubblePodcast.com and buy the art from the website as well. While at the website, you can also check out the script and all the footnotes and sources for today's episode. Again, it's all at BurstYourBubblePodcast.com. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show, leave a review, and follow us on social media. Burst Your Bubble is released the second and fourth Thursday of the month. The next episode will be released February 28th. As always, thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time, and have a good one. Well, theoriologists, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Morgan is fun and insightful and, frankly, just fun to listen to. I recommend that you jump over to BurstYourBubblePodcast.com to check out more about the show. And don't be afraid to subscribe and add that show to your listening repertoire. And don't worry, I'll be back next week with another episode of Conspiracy Theoriology. I'll see you then.